0: The following message is a presentation from Grace Baptist Church in Kettering, Ohio. Find John chapter number 20 this morning as we continue in this second part of a two part message Jesus Encourages. Last week we dealt with Jesus Encourages the Fearful. Jesus Encourages the Fearful. And perhaps you struggle with fear and that's understandable. Jesus wants to encourage you. And we listened and, and looked at that last week as Jesus met with his disciples in the upper room there as they gathered on Resurrection Sunday. Now on the second Sunday from Resurrection Sunday, they're gathered again, and Jesus is going to encourage the doubtful. And so let's look at John chapter number 20 and verse number 24. The Bible says, "But Thomas, one of the twelve called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. Let's say that together. We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hand the prints of the nail, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side. He's referring to the wound that he re- would have received from the spear in his side. I will not believe. Let's say that together. I will not believe. Now, I didn't like the, the sound of that, right? And let's not be there with Thomas, okay? But he said that, and I want you to realize, they're coming to him and saying, we have seen the Lord, and he is responding, I will not believe. Verse 26, and after eight days again, his disciples were within, and Thomas was with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst, and said, let's say it together, peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side. It's almost like uh, Jesus heard what he had said earlier in the week, huh? Have you ever come to church and th- uh, thought, you know what? Did someone tap my, my house this week? Huh? Isn't that just like our good Lord? He does it here. And so he, he says, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. Verse 28, and Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God, say that with me, my Lord and my God. Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. That's where you are today. You haven't seen. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written. That ye, all you, that ye may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. Hmm, I'm glad for that. Let's ask Him to bless our time together. Thank you, Father, for this passage of Scripture. Now, would you be our teacher, and would you uh, just quiet our hearts in this hour before your word? Lord, I acknowledge that any spiritual work that's going to happen today is going to be a result of your working by your Spirit. So we we ask you to do that. Lord, set me aside. Would you work? Um, by your spirit, in our hearts together, and would we grow, and uh, would you encourage and strengthen faith today, we pray in Jesus' name, amen, and you may be seated, thank you for standing. These guys are in this upper room, uh, somewhere in Jerusalem, remember, last week they had shut, they had bolted the doors, uh, because they were so fearful. These are the men that the Bible says later on in the book of Ephesians that they would provide the foundation of the church. Not that they would be the the pope of the church or the dictators of the church, but Jesus would use them sort of as the foundation uh, to build his church or begin building his church in that day. Jesus himself is the chief cornerstone. According to Colossians 1 and verse number 18, he is in the church to have preeminence. So no apostle. Peter himself is not to have preeminence over uh, over the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ deserves all preeminence within his church then and within the Grace Baptist Church now. And so they're gathered together there as these men that God was going to use in a very special way, but yet they're so fearful, and today we see very Doubtful, doubtful that Jesus had risen from the dead just as he said he would. And I find that as last week Jesus comes to the group, he uh, relieves their fears, he helps them, he makes them glad. And, and when we gather together in the name of Jesus, in the presence of Jesus, and around the word of the Lord Jesus, all sorts of good spiritual things happen. In conversations after last Sunday morning service, and in last Sunday night service, and, and on Wednesday night, I've been talking to people on how Jesus is working in your hearts in spiritual ways. When we gather together, you can expect that God is going to do something in your heart. And when we don't gather together, you cannot expect that same working that he does within the assembly of his saints. So as they've gathered together, everyone is there. Judas is gone. He's already committed suicide, which is another subject. And we need to deal with it at some, uh, some point. If you have questions about that, ask. But he is, he is so overtaken with the, the grief of, uh, of his, of his uh, uh, rejection and of turning Jesus into the to the uh, to the religious leaders, he ends up taking his life, buying a a, a field. Uh, with the money that he had gotten from from betraying Jesus, and he ended his life in that field. And so we have the 11 disciples, perhaps some others that are gathered around, primarily the focus is on the 11 disciples. Thomas is now with them on this day. And what we're going to learn in this gathering, as they're together on this Sunday, on a Lord's Day like this, on the Resurrection Day, we're going to learn how that Jesus will help to dissipate your doubt. And you know what? You might have come in here with doubt about a certain calling that God is putting on your life or a certain step of faith that he's asking you to take or a certain act of service that he is is saying, hey, I want you to do this. Or you might be coming in here with doubt about your own salvation. Did Jesus really save me? Doubts can be all over the board, but the fact is we all struggle because we're human. We all struggle with doubts, not having the faith that we need or not experiencing or uh, demonstrating the faith that we ought to in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you can be sure the same words that Jesus brought to them, peace be to you. I want to calm all this going on in your heart. I want to calm the fear. I want to calm the doubt. Jesus wants to do in your life today as well. And so don't look at this as a a recounting of a story from 2,000 years ago. Look at this as, as, yes, it is that. It is the recounting of a narrative that is very important to us. Jesus wanted us to know that. He wanted us to know every interaction he had after his resurrection so that we can rejoice in this wonderful and risen Savior. He wants us to know this. He wants us to see this. But this is a story for you. This is a narrative for you. This is what God wants to bring into reality in your life. He doesn't want you to go on doubting. He doesn't want you to lack faith. He wants to bolster. He wants to strengthen that faith in your life today. But I want us to notice as we break this this whole story down, I want us to notice in verse number 24 that Thomas very boldly declares his doubt. Notice with me in verse number 24, but Thomas, one of the 12, called Didymus, that means twin, all right, ditto, okay? So that's where they, Didymus, he is a twin. And so he's called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. Do you notice that with me for, uh, for this, this moment? He, he was not with them, and Jesus wants us to know that. Everything that is in this story today, Jesus wants to, uh, us to know. And by the way, uh, more than me taking attendance of who, in, who is here and who is not here, Jesus knows where his church is right now. He knows all about that. And so we ought to be mindful of that matter. And so he's not with them. He's absent on the resurrection day assembly of the fearful disciples. And what happens immediately after last week, after in verse number 20, they see Jesus with their own eyes. They see the prince in his hands. They see Jesus immediately. The disciples, particularly John, it's noted here as the other disciple, goes out and looks and searches after Thomas. Which is exactly the same thing that we ought to do with one another. We ought to care enough for one another to make sure that if someone's struggling, we go out after them. We go out seeking them. Not in a condescending way, but in a way to promote Jesus. Do you notice what he said to him? We have seen Jesus. That's all he said. We have seen Jesus. He did not go to Aunt Thomas and say, where were you? He said, we have seen Jesus. We met together, we assembled together, and you know what? It was really good, and God really worked in our hearts, and he really made us happy, he really made us glad, he encouraged our hearts. We saw Jesus. Boy, what a difference it would make in another believer's life who's struggling when you come along and say, hey, we were at church last Sunday, and God really blessed my heart, and here's how he blessed my heart. I wrote this down, this is how he blessed my heart. It'll change the way that you interact with believers that are struggling. And so John is saying this. We've seen Jesus. In fact, they didn't stop saying it. They were so excited. The tense of the verb here is the idea that they kept on saying and saying and saying, hey, we saw Jesus. It was amazing. And so John sought Thomas out. The other disciples sought him out. It's exactly the same idea that we hear in Galatians 6 in verse number 1. Brethren, if a man be overtaken of fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such one in the spirit of meekness. He's going out. Hey, How can we help restore Thomas and give him faith and encourage him in his faith? Hey, what happens if the Grace Baptist Church felt that way towards every single other believer that's struggling in faith? Can you imagine what a difference that would make? Can you imagine what a difference that would make in our church family if that's the heart that we carried? We saw Jesus, he's made me glad, I want him to make you glad. How can I help you? How can I pray for you? I'm I'm burdened about you. Can I pray with you right now? Can I help you in any way? And so you see that, that, this, that spirit is going on there. Even, even as we think about this, this matter of, of encouraging faith and finding those that might be struggling, you know, part of the job of a pastor, according to Hebrews chapter 13, verse number seven, is to share faith, to look into the word of God, believe what the word of God says, and then to share it. The Bible says whose faith follow, not because of them, considering the end of their conversation, the goal of their conversation, the goal of their lifestyle. And then the next verse, verse number eight, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. You notice, you notice John and the other disciples did not go, hey, well, we were at the gathering last week. And we're pretty, we're pretty spiritual. No, they just lifted up Jesus. And a pastor's job is to just lift up Jesus. And you know, by doing that, we encourage faith. And so this is really awesome. They, they went and sought him out. But Thomas speaks out. Now he has a choice. Verse number 25. Except I see in his hands the print of the nails. And put my finger into the print of the nails. Thrust my hand into his side. I will not believe. Well, you know, sometimes if we get a, a comment like that, we might just say, well, I'm done with you. I mean, you know, have it your way. We'll just be blessed without you, you know, type of thing. But no, I mean, he was, he's pretty emphatic. In fact, here, I will not believe. I will by no means believe. Now, if we use a double negative here, I'm not an English buff, and, and I, I, I admire those of you that are English people who sit and listen to me sometimes butcher the, the, um, the English. And so thank you for, for enduring with me. But I understand this. You're not supposed to use a double negative in the English. Am I correct in that? But in the Greek... In their language, it, it just would compound, as I understand. it compound. He uses what is a double negative. He, just, he was very in fact, I will not believe. No way, by no means will I believe. Wait a minute, we've just seen Jesus. We're telling you, we saw him. He's made us glad. We want him to make you glad. We want you to believe this. And the Bible tells us that they share this over and over with him and he would not believe. They weren't the only ones to share this with Thomas. Matthew sixteen twenty one. right after our theme verse, when Jesus says, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, Over in verse number 21 of Matthew 16, do you know what Jesus says? From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples, including Thomas, how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed, and notice, and be raised again the third day. Do you know Jesus had already told Thomas that I am going to come back from the dead? And so now as John and the other disciples are saying, we saw him. They were only, they were only cooperating. They were only agreeing with what Jesus had already said in his word. And you know what? We have the same opportunity today to simply go to someone and agree with the word of God, share the word of God. We saw him. We know it. We've experienced this is real. This is what he said. And it's actually come uh, come to pass. And that's what they got to do. Jesus had already said it. Oh, in our day, Jesus has said so many things in his word that we oftentimes doubt we can share with one another and encourage in our faith, but Thomas spoke out in doubt. Thomas was not just doubting the testimony of John, but he was doubting the very word of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you see how serious this matter of doubt is in our lives? It's why God says that he actually hates unbelief. Ouch. Yeah. Unbelief For the non-believer, for those that have not come to Jesus Christ in salvation, unbelief will bring you to an eternity in a place called hell. In fact, the Bible says in Revelation 21 and verse number 8, it says, but the fearful and the notice and unbelieving. Mm. For us as believers, unbelief will stunt our growth in Jesus Christ. It'll be us, like in the in uh, like the children of Israel wandering around in the wilderness for forty years. Yep, there was a whole group of people, about a million people in the Old Testament, that wandered in a wilderness in a in a barren wilderness for forty years because they would not believe God and enter into a land that He promised to them, the land that part of the land that Israel inhabits today. Uh, by the way, promised to them by God. It's an amazing thing. Unbelief, really matters. And so here Thomas is, he's not just doubting the word of John, but he's doubting the very word of Jesus Christ. we're all in this position of Thomas. In reality, none of us has seen Jesus Christ. We've experienced what he's done in our lives, but none of us have seen Jesus Christ. We simply have the word of prior witnesses, the word of John, as he was inspired by God to write this down. We have his word. We have the word Paul, who saw Jesus on the road to Damascus. We have all these different words. We are in the same position as Thomas to believe and not have seen. You know what? The Bible tells us about that? Oh, it's a wonderful thing to have an eyewitness, but the Bible tells us in First Peter, chapter number second, Peter, chapter number one, verse 19, that we have a more sure word of prophecy. right here. Oh, I wish I could just see Jesus. No, you have a sure word of prophecy that's been, uh, stood the test of time, that has come down through the ages and is declaring to you that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. Now, he was not just seen of one or two or 11, but he was seen, according to 2 Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, by over 500 at one time. Any court of law would accept that as verifiable information. He is alive and he sits at the right hand of the Father right now, and we are waiting for him to come and to receive his church unto himself. And what a great thing that that is. is. Second Peter, we have a more sure word of prophecy. Verse number 20, knowing this first, that no pro- um, prophecy of the Scripture came by any private interpretation. This was not thought up by man. This was sent from God. As God moved along, holy men of God, to write down, He bore them along by the Holy Spirit to write down these incredible facts, declaring to us that Jesus Christ did live, Jesus Christ did die, and Jesus Christ did rise again from the dead. Thomas had that opportunity to believe it then, but he wouldn't. The declaration of doubt. But I want you to notice how set he was in this doubt. The duration of his doubt. The Bible says in verse number 26, look at it with me, and after eight days... Okay, we have Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. After eight days, we have them gathering together again. And I want you to think about eight days for a moment. A lot can happen in a week's time, can it? Some of you have had lousy weeks, right? A lousy week. How many of you say, I, I've not had such a grand week this past week? All right, some of you. How many say, boy, it just it couldn't have been better? Hey, we want to talk to those folks right now. I, and it was just kind of in the middle, right? Uh, so the the fact is, eight days, a lot can happen within a week's time. Uh, the truth is, I said last week, and I, I praise the Lord for life and the gift of life. I said last week, I don't know if this will be my last me- uh, message that I preached last week. I don't know. The fact is, God has carried in all of our lives. He's given us life. Well, a lot can happen in eight, uh, eight days. There's eight mornings. It means... Eight sunrises. There's eight laying down and putting a head on a pillow. And all the thoughts that swirl around that time. You can't get to sleep right away. You know how your thoughts just run and run and run. And some of you ladies say, yep, I know how the thoughts just run and run and run. And All that I need to do, it just can't, can't stop, you know, that spinning wheel, you know, the thoughts. It's 24 meals if they eat three meals a day. That means there's the sitting down and taking in the food, taking time to think, talk. 192 hours. There's a, a 11,520 minutes. There is, if the averages today are right, I don't know, but there's, there's about 128,000 words, unless you think that men speak a ton more than, uh, than women, or vi- vice versa, I should say. It, it, it averages out pretty close some of you say, nah, that's not my experience. All right, well, the average is out pretty close. But there's a lot of words that are said in that. According to one university in Canada, they say that an individual thinks 6,000 individual thoughts per day. It seems a little low to me, but I think it's in the individual thoughts, okay? But think about that. If that's the case, that's 48,000 individual thoughts that happens over that span of time, all in the context of doubt. You know how doubt colors everything? Kind of makes the dinner conversation gloomy. Makes the time before you fall asleep kind of oppressive. Sunrise doesn't look very great. Doubt colors everything. And Thomas lived eight days in doubt. Living in that. And as we peer into the story a little bit more, you know, as he lived with doubt, you know what it caused Thomas to do? It caused him to isolate You know, a lack of faith in your life will cause you to isolate. Even right now in our world, many have isolated themselves for months upon months. Not not disparaging, not saying things aren't real, not saying any of that. But many have isolated for months because they're so afraid. And that is not a slap. It's a reality. It causes us to isolate. When we live in fear or lack of faith, it causes us to isolate. What else did Thomas do? Well, think about it. Thomas wasn't with him. He didn't gather with him. He was the only one out of that group that did not gather with him. He isolated. But Thomas also very much exaggerated. In, in, verse, in verse number uh, uh, 20, 27, we find he goes, except I thrust my hand into his side. Now, let's just be honest. That's just gross. No, really. I mean, it's just, come on. You, you, get, you get surgery. I'm not going to believe he had surgery until I can put my hand in his wound. Really? And even the language here is, is one of, of, of just kind of a, you know, a forceful thrusting and exaggeration. You know, it's real that when we are in doubt, when we're lacking faith, we can exaggerate, we can blow things up, we can become skeptical in the way we can over, over, and make something a bigger issue than it is. All when we're in, uh, in living a life of doubt. And Thomas was that. You notice what else? He questioned his friends. You know, Thomas had spent a lot of time with John. You know, John wasn't perfect, but the Bible doesn't record a time where John lied to Thomas. But yet, Thomas comes to, uh, John comes to Thomas and says, we have seen him, and he goes, I will not believe. I do not believe your word. Now, how do you feel when someone says that to you? Let's just be honest. Thomas was really in a, in a state, and we've been there probably too. I, I don't believe that Jesus Christ can give me victory over sin. Well, I'm telling you, I've experienced this victory that he gives, and I, I'm going to try to help you along. I just don't believe it. We can live right in that doubt, and we can walk in the same way that Thomas did, but here's something that's very important. I, I, I believe the Lord is very careful, and I was telling my wife yesterday, it is amazing to me, I, I did not anticipate this as, we, as we're going through this, this 40 days after the, the resurrection. I did not anticipate how absolutely practical each one of these appearances were that Jesus was making in his different disciples' lives, how absolutely practical they were to our, our living in this day. Because he's dealt with them, he made them glad as an assembly, he's met with them one-on-one, he, he's meeting with them on their journeys, it's amazing what he's doing. We're going to see him restore, and the next time that we're together, it's just really amazing, he promises, just all these different things that he's doing in these, in these after the resurrection appearances. And it's amazing to me that in this particular one, God seems to highlight not just the doubt, but the importance of the assembly. Now, I don't think I'm stretching that at all. The importance of what we're doing here today to your faith and the strength of your faith. I'll hear someone say, I don't need to go to church in order to be a Christian. And you know what? They're right. If you've said that, you're right. You don't need to go to church in order to be a Christian. But if you're going to be a strong Christian, you need to go to church. You need the assembly. Do you believe that Jesus really designed something that you don't need? Now, I get it. Church is not not perfect. You'll hear us say from time to time, you know, we're not perfect around here. We're all on a journey. And believe it or not, you're going to get hurt somehow, someway, by someone in this assembly at some point. And the Bible gives us instruction on how to work through that and be right and to love each other. And love covers a multitude of sin. But the fact is, as imperfect as this assembly is, we need this assembly. And as imperfect as the assembly was that Thomas should have been at, he needed that assembly. And for eight days, he went on in his doubt. And it seems to be indicated by our Lord that it was because he wasn't at that first assembly he would have seen Jesus there. I like how Warren Wearsby put it, and I can't improve on it, so he says, because Thomas was, was not there, he missed seeing Jesus Christ, hearing his words of peace, and receiving his commission and gift of spiritual life. You remember back, back last week, after they saw him and were glad, he admonished them for their, their doubt and for their fearfulness. And then he said, as the Father has sent me, so send I you. And he breathed upon them and, and blessed them with the Holy Spirit. Do you know that Thomas missed out on all of that? And they say, well, was he sick? Well, the Bible doesn't tell us he's sick. The, the Bible seems to indicate that Thomas had isolated himself from the assembly. Well, was he hurt? Well, maybe he was. Maybe he was sore at one of the other disciples. I don't know. But the fact is, Jesus showed it up at that assembly, and if Thomas would have been there too, he would have not gone through those eight days of doubt. And friends, I'm saying something that's really important. Because there's times that I get text messages, and, I, and, and uh, hear what I say. People going through great struggle that are not faithful to church. And in my heart, I say, if you would only have been here last Sunday, I preached on that very thing. I'll hear people say, well, I don't, get, I don't get challenged. And I say, I've been there every Sunday opening up the Word of God, every Sunday night and every Wednesday night opening up the Word of God. Where have you been? You say, well, pastor can't get that, that direct. I'm getting direct now because our Lord does with Thomas. You want to be strong in your faith? You need to make this house a priority. This is not egocent- uh, egocentric Talk right now. This is this is do you want to grow in your faith and be strong in the midst of this crazy perverse society? You need the person sitting next to you. You need this place. And it, it, it it so burdens my heart to see folks struggling, the flock of God struggling under burdens, under struggles that could be solved within the assembly by the word of god and so as you think of this this morning the assembly of christ followers is essential to you and i living a life free of doubt now the fact is doubt is going to creep up and so what happens as we come together we can bolster one another encourage one another and strengthen one another as we all hear the word of god together I want us to notice, and maybe if you're not following along in the notes, turn there, Hebrews 10 and verse number 23. You say, this is the favorite passage of every pastor. Well, you know what? God has told me to exhort uh, his people to faithfulness. Okay, so Hebrews 10 and verse number 23. I have noticed something here, a connection that is often missed because we always say, don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. But there is a connection. Why does God say that? Why does God tell you to be faithful to the assemblies of the saints? In America, it's a very common practice to be a a one and done in a week. I'm telling you, our church meets together three times a week for a purpose. They met in the early church more than three times a week for a purpose. They were living in persecution. A pastor friend of mine out in Washington, he says, right now there are spontaneous meetings. They're just gathering together around the Word of God right now. Why? Because they're in revival. They want to be together. There is a need for one another. They're gathering spontaneously Monday night, Tuesday night, around the Word of God. He says it's the most wonderful thing in the world. You know, I don't think that in the early church there was... Uh, this is the, the, there was spontaneous meetings. They just needed to be together. And so God says here in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 23, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. Well, how in the world are we to hold fast to be steadfast in our faith in Jesus Christ without any wavering? How? How are we going to do that in this world? We're constantly being barraged. You are being barraged on the job. You know how people look at you and ridicule you. You went to church on the weekend. They look at you and think that you're so crazy and, and you go to that place that's so judgmental, by the way. Uh, invite them to the Grace Baptist Church. <laughs> I, I, I've heard people over and over, I thought I'd experienced judgment and all I received was love. Praise God. Bring them here. This is not a place of judgment. We are not the judge. Jesus, uh, Jesus is the judge. God's the judge. I invited someone into church this past week uh, with a, a card, and they started telling me all the reasons they, they're not able to get to church. And I just stopped and I said, I am not your judge. And he looked at me and just paused. It was really, I've never used that term before. The Lord just gave it to me. I, I, I'm not your judge. And he's like, thank you. <laughs> and like, I, you're not accountable to me. I'm just inviting you. I just want you to come and be helped. That's all I'm asking uh, you. We're not the judge. We're not the uh, judgers. We're inviting them into a place where they can receive the love of the Lord Jesus Christ and be changed, right? And so it's so important for us to understand. Let us hold fast. Let us stand fast in our profession of faith in the midst of all this craziness that's going on for he is faithful that promise. That's being uh, being God. Verse number 24. Now, how is this going to happen? Let us consider one another. You know, one of the hardest things that happened through the the time of COVID, as I preached in this auditorium to empty seats here, was I couldn't consider you. And the hardest thing for you is you couldn't consider one another. I couldn't tell. More than you realize, the eyes are the window to the soul. And in a congregation like this, I can look across the congregation, and in a matter of about five seconds, I can tell who's having a hard day and who's not. And who is enthusiastic about Jesus Christ and who is not? And who is growing in the word and who is not? Now I can't see all, I'm not God. But there is a real sense where we can consider one another in this context, not in the live stream, in this context. That's why I encourage people, if they're not sick, be here. Why? Because we need this. We need this gathering uh, together so we can consider, so we can say, hey, how are you doing? Set aside the the typical fine and tell me really how you're doing. One of our our brothers told me this morning, he says, Pastor, I just need to be real with you. I had a lousy week. Thanks. Let's talk about that. We got to pray about that, right? That's what we need. We need that consideration one another. We need the freedom to be able to say that to one another. So we're to consider one another. And what are we to do as we consider? To provoke to love and to good works. Let's keep being faithful to the Lord. Let's keep loving Jesus. He's not forsaking us. He's faithful that promise. Pray with one another. We continue on. And then what it is to say? Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. How does this considering one another happen? Within the assembly, friends. Your growth in Jesus Christ, and your strength of faith, will be directly tied to what value you place on the assembly of the body of Christ? And that's not popular. I was talking to a pastor who pastors a, a large church north of town. He says, we, "We basically expect our members to show up once a month." How are we going to grow? My son shows up to one meal a month. <laughs> and the flip side of that is I want to ask, ask you and just challenging you. Jesus had prepared, prepared on that Sunday to minister to their needs. Do you know that Jesus is not here right now? He is by his spirit. Praise God. How many are thankful for that? But he's given us his word. And he's gifted to the church a pastor. And you know that, that God has ordained it to be such in this New Testament age that a pastor would open up the Bible and would communicate the word of God? There's meals that are being missed, friends. Fox News does not replace these meals. Amen. A podcast does not replace these meals. God has given us this church together. If you're new to this body, I'm not getting after our church. I'm just saying, I, I'm underscoring I'm underscoring the importance of what we're doing right now. And Thomas went through eight days of doubt because. Now, it's possible you could come to a meeting and not not get it all solved. Some spiritual matters are pretty deep. In fact, it's possible that you come to some assemblies and you walk out and you have a issue going on in your heart and you really need to talk to somebody, and that's exactly what you need to do. You really need to talk to somebody. You need to be real. Get some counsel so we can get something dealt with. Maybe it's a counseling need. Maybe you need direction to a counselor. Maybe you need prayer. But the fact is, this assembly, what we're doing right now, is designed by Jesus Christ to meet the spiritual needs that are going on in your heart. No, it doesn't save us by being here today. But it does strengthen us. It does strengthen. And you know what? Your presence here today strengthens me. It strengthens me. I'm thankful for the assembly. I'm thankful for the time in Sunday school hour this morning. I've had, over the past several months, I've, I've, I've had some times where I've just dropped out in energy. But you know what? There's times when I come into this place that it gives me an energy that, that I, don't, I don't get, I can't, I can't muster up. And I know some of that's the spirit of God, but some of it's just, just being around the family of God. And it's something special. Don't devalue that. When, I in, when we invite back to a six o'clock on Sunday night, you know what? Do everything in your power to be a part of that. God's going to speak to us tonight. I believe that with all my heart. Otherwise, I should just close my Bible and not not attend tonight. But God's going to speak to us. God's going to speak to us on Wednesday night. I believe that. Otherwise, let's cancel those services. If God is not speaking to us and meeting needs in those services, let's cancel them. Let's not waste time. Jesus is going to do something in those assemblies. And so I urge you, Let's learn the lesson with Thomas that we don't have to go through all that doubt and that fear in those problems. Let's be in that assembly. And so notice Thomas had boldly declared his doubt in the bodily resurrection of the Lord. He had endured this doubt for a week and then notice what Jesus does. In verse number 26, then came Jesus. Let's say that together. Then came Jesus. Makes all the difference in the world. There are moments and gatherings like this where God by his Holy Spirit shows up and he manifests himself in our lives. It becomes real to me. Ah, I needed that. It burns in our hearts and Jesus becomes real as if he showed up in a, in a real sense. Then came Jesus. The door's being shut. He says, peace be unto you. Shows up again. The last time that he showed up, he was focused on the ten. This time he shows up. Look at verse number uh, 27. Then saith he to Thomas. Can you imagine Jesus showing up in the midst right now? And he's going, Mary. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine him just zeroing everyone else out and it's Mary. That's what he did. He had a particular message for her. You know, it reminds me that there are some times where Others may benefit from the message. Jesus has a message for a person. A message of strengthening of faith for a person that's gathered together. By the way, that's why we ought to be so welcoming. If a person's been away from the Lord and comes back, it's not, well, haven't seen you in a while. Boy, that just makes people feel about this junky. You with me? How many, how many of you would say that would make me feel pretty junky? Can you raise your hand to that? So let's just commit right now to never say that to a a believer that's straight and is coming back into our fellowship. I'll never say, boy, I haven't seen you in a while. I'll say something rather, boy, it's great to see you. You bless my heart. You know, it totally makes it, it, it's totally different. And so Thomas, Jesus says, he focuses on Thomas. Reach hither, thy finger and behold my my hands and so he invites him to do this and then he says be not faithless but believing he takes his very words the, the very the very uh conditions that thomas had placed on belief and says all right here i am do it and don't be faithless be believing i don't want you to be unbelieving i don't want you to be characterized anymore by this unbelief and this doubt i want you to stop denying and rejecting the truth of who i am as your risen lord Stop. Don't be faithless. Be believing, Thomas. The Bible tells us over in Mark 16, verse number 14, afterward he appeared unto the leaven as, he, as they sat at meat and abraded them. <laughs> you can just imagine what that word has the idea of. He got after them. He abraded them hey, if, um, with their unbelief and hardness of heart because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. Thomas? It isn't okay that you go on in your doubt, and your unbelief. Stop being faithless, believe, I'm here, I'm here. And you know, he says that to us today, stop being faithless, believe. I've revealed myself to you. I've given everything that you need. I've revealed myself to you. Thomas repented of his doubt in verse number 28. My Lord and my God, my Lord, my Jehovah and my God, uh, my God, he says. He changed his mind. He went a different direction. That's all repentance means. It's not, it's not the turning over of a new leaf. All repentance means is a change of mind that results in a change of thinking and, and, and direction. So he changes his mind. And then Jesus encourages him in his belief, Thomas, because thou hast seen, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet believe. And you know that word blessed is? is simply happy favored of God, are those that believe without seeing. And every one of us have that opportunity to take God up on that specific blessing by believing the word of Christ without seeing the reality, seeing the physical. One day we will. The glass will be taken away. We'll see him face to face. But until then, blessed are you when you believe without seeing. Thomas, there's a great blessing. There's happiness. There's joy in the heart, just like your other disciple friends saw. There's joy in the heart when we take Jesus at his word, when we believe his word, and we believe the witness of others based on his word. Thomas, there's great joy in that. And so he encourages Thomas. Notice he isn't, he isn't beating him up. He's encouraging him. There's a great blessing when you believe. Now I want you to notice this. Where does this leave us? We know Thomas got to this point of believing because he saw And Jesus says, there's a great blessing, Thomas, in believing without seeing. But where does this leave us? Let's look at these last two verses. Because some of us here today are in that that spot of doubt, like Thomas, and we need to go, we need to get to the, the point of belief. We need to put aside the doubt, and we need to trust the word of Christ. And so what does it say there in verse number 30? And many other signs. Let's read it together. Look at it with me. Verse number 30. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book. Okay? So we don't know everything that Jesus did in that gathering. Wouldn't you have loved to be in that gathering? That would have been something else. Many other signs he proved conclusively to those men he was who he said he was and he was the resurrected Savior. He proved it. And he's given them the opportunity to write down inspired scripture for you and us today what an amazing thing so he says many other signs now why did he why did he tell us that but these things are written these things what you do have is written so that you might believe What you have in your hand today is written so that you might believe. The Gospel of John, specifically the whole purpose of the Gospel of John, is to help us to understand that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God of God in that we might believe on his name and we might have life through his name. That's the whole purpose of the gospel of John and the word of God in general as a whole book that all leads to Jesus Christ and is a wonderful story of the redemption that God has planned from the beginning of time to redeem fallen man back to himself and reconcile him, uh, us to him through Jesus Christ. What an amazing story. But it's all written down so that we might believe. So, you're on a point of doubt. You're struggling. You're facing some things that you've never faced before. You don't know the way out. You're depressed. You're anxious. You're struggling with this, with this doubt. How do I get through this? Listen, I'm not just going to say, go read a uh, chapter out of the Bible and will all be good. You, you, pro- you may need some counseling. You may need to, to, uh, to get with somebody and pray, uh, pray through those things. But I am saying, the, this is the basis of your cure. This is the foundation of it. This is what you and I need. It, pertains to all, it gives us all things that pertain to life and to godliness. This is what Thomas needs. This is what you need. And ultimately, it's Jesus Christ himself. Jesus is a solver of our problems. Jesus gives us wisdom as we navigate those individual problems but the deterrent of our doubt is the word of God I want us to understand there's no library large enough to record all that Jesus did while he was on earth and all the miracles of our God but the fact is what he has given us is everything that you and I need in order to believe on Jesus Christ and accept him as true and as who he said he was Everything that we need is here. And wouldn't it be amazing if we went to the Bible uh, on Monday and on Tuesday believing that all the answers to my problems and life's problems are found within the, on, the, on the cover of this book. Man, it's amazing. It's right here. I know sometimes people have questions, you know, should I take a medicine? Should I do? Listen, God gives us wisdom. I'm not about to stand up and say, well, just chuck it all out and, you know, and, and just, just read another chapter in the Bible there's wisdom that needs to be had. God gave us brains, he uh, gave us the ability to create some medicine and and so forth. So I'm not saying that, please understand. But do uh, do understand that this is the foundation. Without this you will not have any recovery. That's why people can go to addiction programs that are not based on the word of God and it might help for a little bit but it won't help in the long run. Because you need the word of God, you are a spiritual person, God knows your makeup. He knows you need his revelation of himself. He knows you need him in your life. Thomas needed Jesus in his life in order to get from past the doubt. You need the word of God. and You need the assembly of the saints. So what was Thomas going to be able to believe as God revealed himself? What was he going to be able to accept as true, accept as real, that Jesus was actually who he said he was? Look there. He says that you'd be able to believe Jesus means Savior, cross-reference that with Matthew 121, that's what his name means, Savior. Christ means the promised one, the one that was promised from the Old Testament on that he would come and take away the sins of the world, Isaiah 53, the promised one. And that Jesus Christ himself, as the promised one, is indeed the very Son of God. Not an offspring like an offspring here, but the very son of God who is equal with God. The very I am, John 8:24, the one who declares himself in front of the religious leaders. For if you believe not that I am he, you shall die in your sins. Without believing that he is actually God, God himself, Jehovah, declared himself to Moses as being the I am, as we heard several weeks back by Brother Wayne on a Sunday night. Uh, Wonderful, wonderful time in the word of God as we heard that. Jesus is that, and he says in John 8, 24, unless you believe that I am God, Jehovah God, you can't be saved. So what's Thomas enabled to do now? In this gathering, he's able to hear what he needs to hear from the word of the Lord Jesus Christ from himself all that he needed to have in order to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. There are religions that deny the deity of Jesus Christ, and there is no salvation. There's no salvation. If Jesus is not God, we are not saved. Understand that? My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. My faith has found a resting place, not in device or creed, But in the ever living one, whose wounds for me shall plead. He is it. Thomas came to that point. Where did he come to that point? In the assembly. Friends, do you understand the power of the assembly when God's people are coming to that understanding? But when we include others into this assembly, when they are as well, have the opportunity to come to the same conclusion within the body of believers. What a powerful place to be in. What an amazing place to be in. So here he is. When he believed, he received eternal life. John 3 and verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, what? Believeth in him, should not perish, but have, what? Everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to, what? Condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. There has been a massive dishonest ad campaign against Jesus Christ in this world paid for by Satan himself that says that the followers of Jesus just want to condemn you and that Jesus wants to condemn you and make you miserable in your sin no Jesus did not come into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved this ought to be the most accepting place in all the world why because Jesus is Come ye sinners lost and broken, the song goes. He whose blood can set you free. What an amazing Savior we serve. He accepts. He welcomes you in. He wants to save you. He wants to release you from the bondage of your addiction, from your sin. The thoughts that just that hold on to you. He wants to, he wants to release you from all that. That's our God. He that believeth not is condemned. Wait a minute. So people have the choice whether or not to be condemned. Yes. Jesus is not the one who condemns. People have a choice to not respond to him in belief and then be condemned experience condemnation. People need to know that. Your coworkers need to know that this week. Yeah. He that believeth not is condemned, but he that believeth, he that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten, notice, Son of God. Son of God. The word of God reveals to us who Jesus is and what he has done for us. And friends, that's a glorious thing. If you've been saved today and you say, I still struggle with some doubt to whether I'm, I'm saved. If you've accepted Jesus Christ, if you place faith in him, do you know there's a glorious verse in First John chapter 5 and verse number 13 it says, These things have I written unto you that Believe on the name of the Son of God. Okay, here's people that believed. That's what is required for salvation. Faith, trust, accepting as true. So he's writing these things to those that have believed, those that would be followers of Christ, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. And that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. They may know. You know what that word know is? You might experience it. Know it by experience, personal experience. I think about that because most of my teenage years, I was saved at the age of 12. I was raised in a very Christian home, in church just like this, three times a week on revival. I was in there every night. I mean, if church attendance is the way to be saved, I I should have a good shot at it, but it's not. I went to church sometimes as a little devil. (laughs) <laughs> You're not laughing. I mean, it's just the reality. I was as, I was as, as lost as, as the devil until Jesus saved my soul at the age of 12. And I remember that night. Did you, know you know that I spent most of my teenage years really struggling with that? Some of it was due to just personal growth, uh, allowing sin in my life that God said no to. And so no wonder there was a little bit of estrangement between me and my Heavenly Father. But I'll tell you, at the age of around 16 or 17, I remember calling a, a preacher that I respected. And it was one of those things that I didn't even want to talk to my own pastor because it was, I felt it was so shameful. Like, is people going to think I'm not saved? Uh, what are they going to think when they find out I have doubts? Listen, you, let's just put that aside. If you're doubting, struggling with it, just let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. But I called this preacher and I, I said, this is agony for me. Like, I go to bed at night, and I don't know if I'm going to heaven. I, I've believed on him. He is the only way I believed, but I go to bed at night, and I'm, I'm struggling. I, when my mind is at rest, that's where my thoughts go. That, that was hard. In fact, when Jesus called me to preach, I was still struggling with doubts of my salvation. You say, how does that work out? I don't know. God's amazing. I had more confidence in my call to preach than I had in in salvation in the quiet moments of my mind. It It was just, I was tormented. And I remember calling the pastor, and I thank God for his wisdom. And he brought me back to this one thing, the one condition for salvation. Have you believed? Well, yes. Then what does the Bible say? He says, I'm saved. Well, and I guess then that settles it. It's not me being a better person. It's not me performing well. It's not me attending. It's have I believed, accepted as true that he is Jesus, the Savior, the promised one, who came into this world to reconcile sinners to God, who is the Son of God, God Himself, who has been resurrected after the third day from the grave, proving He conquered sin, death, and hell. I believed in Him. He is the only way to have eternal life. His righteousness is all that I need in order to be good enough before God. I've believed. It settles it. When Satan comes a-knocking, and tempting me to doubt, all I have to say is, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. If Jesus is not God, I'm done. If Jesus did not do what he said he would do, I'm done. I have no other hope. And I don't know where you are today, what doubts that you might struggle with today, but the fact is, Jesus can solve them all and I believe that He's started to even within this assembly today and wouldn't you give an amen to that let's pray and ask him to help us with this our father you know where every heart is and Lord I can't thank you enough for gathering us together in this place I think for each person And Lord, perhaps there's a Thomas here this morning or many Thomases that are struggling to believe you for salvation, for victory over sin, for a solution to the issue in front of them this week. Lord, I ask that right now that you take your word and that you would meet with them specifically and personally and that you would help them and that you would dissipate the doubt that they're struggling with. Oh God, we ask for your help in this hour. In Jesus' name, amen. With your heads bowed, I want to give time for us to respond to God. My first question is this. Do you know, have you placed faith in Jesus Christ? Have you believed on Jesus Christ alone to save your soul and to give you forgiveness of all your sin? Can you give testimony to that? Can you give a raised hand to that? I have believed on Jesus Christ. I've accepted as true. I've believed on Jesus Christ alone for salvation from my, uh, from my sin. Amen. Put your hands up if you have not yet. Put them back down. I've believed on Jesus Christ alone. I have, I have placed faith. I have accepted as true. Many, many hands. You say, Pastor, I've not yet. I'm like Thomas. I've not yet. Now, Before I ask you to acknowledge that, I'm not asking to shame you. This could be the pivotal moment of your life if you would admit that you have not yet believed in Jesus Christ, but you want to today. This will be the pivotal moment of your life, guaranteed. Pastor, I've not yet believed on Jesus Christ for salvation. I've not accepted him as true as the Savior of all the world and as the only way to have forgiveness and eternal life, but I'd like to today. Is there a hand like that today? I've not yet believed on Jesus Christ, but I'd like to today. Give just another moment. Is God working your heart about this? I've not yet believed. I've not yet accepted as true, but I'd like to today. friend, if you're struggling right now with that decision, could I just encourage you, Jesus knows that struggle. Jesus knows what you're wrestling with and he wants to save your soul. And before we go any further, I'm going to pray and ask that Jesus would be very real to you, that he clearly show up in your life to help you to make this decision. Father, I believe there's some in here this morning that do not yet know you as Savior. They have not yet believed on you. And Lord, I pray that right now and in this day that you would show up and that you would person, like you did to Thomas, that you would, through your word, help them to believe and dissipate their doubt. And I pray that for them in your name. As the music plays, I'm going to give opportunity right there in your seat for you to just simply pray. Talk to the Lord about your doubt. Say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for doubting you. Sorry for doubting your word. That problem I'm facing this week at work, I'm sorry for doubting that you have a solution to it. Sorry for being like a Thomas. Lord, would you forgive me? Would you forgive me for doubting your capability? Think about it. Do you have a problem facing you this week that's bigger than Jesus Christ? The answer is no. Father, forgive me for doubting you and making this problem bigger than you. you need to make a decision this morning be like a a Thomas returning to to church and say oh the Lord showed me this morning the vital necessity of the assemblies Lord by your grace I'm going to reprioritize my life and the assembly of the believers at the Grace Baptist Church is going to become a priority to me maybe that would be what the Lord is working on in your heart. Oh, how I'd encourage that. Not because we're so great, but because Jesus has designed this place to meet your spiritual needs. Thank you for listening today. For more information about Grace Baptist Church, please visit our website at gracebaptistofkettering.org. And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.